0: is a marriage has never been better than this and we got three kids that's who i do it for i'm called to be a leader i'ma lead the way girl someone from
1: Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Championship Leadership Podcast. We got Daniel Erickson with us here today, just uh, down near Oakland, California. So thanks for being here, man.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So Championship Leadership, that's the name of our show. What uh, what comes to mind for you or what does that mean to you when you hear Championship Leadership?
2: Uh, it means uh, doing, doing everything you can to be the best leader you can be for your team. Uh, mm. I think uh, when you uh, when you dig into uh, to a lot of uh, a leadership and a specifically championship leadership, that uh, that sort of combo of words there,
1: yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. it's
2: uh, it is pretty evocative of like sports coaching um, and uh, and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, really, actually, I think uh, it it does kind of evoke that sort of coaching mentality uh, to me as well, um, which is actually a really big part of how I think about uh, building good leaders uh, on my teams.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so,
2: uh, yeah, nice and fitting.
1: Awesome. Well, so yeah, I really next would like to get into you know a little bit more about you and what you're doing and your company and the teams that you're growing and and uh, so if you could share maybe a little bit of your journey for the listener and and you know how that's taken you to where you are today and what it is that you're up to today.
2: Yeah, absolutely, happy to. Uh, so uh, I'm Dan, uh, CEO and founder here at uh, at Viable. Um, we started the company about three years ago. Uh, and Viable helps uh, helps companies understand their customers better uh, by aggregating customer feedback from a, a bunch of different channels, things like product surveys and app store reviews and NPS responses, uh, help desk tickets, sales call transcripts, all that kind of stuff. We kind of slurp into one system, aggregate all of that for you, and then analyze it for you as well using machine learning. Um, so we're in the uh, generative AI space. Uh, and uh, we do what I call generative ana- analysis. Um, so it's basically like really, really uh, high level, like super, superhuman sort of uh, uh, level uh, qualitative analysis uh, yeah. that we provide for our customers on a uh, on a weekly, monthly, quarterly cadence, uh, and they use it to guide their roadmap to prevent problems from getting bigger. Uh, to identify uh, how people are talking about their products that they can market to them better, uh, to identify sales objections. Uh, So it's just this really cool way that you get to use all of this unstructured text that you're already collecting uh, across all of your places uh, to really dive in and improve the different processes and products that your business uh, builds. Um, we, like I said, we've been at this for about three years. Uh, my background is actually in engineering and engineering leadership. Uh, so prior to this, uh, I was actually uh, VP of engineering at Ease, uh, the cannabis delivery company. Uh, and then before that, uh, I was a, uh, I was CTO at a, at a construction uh, equipment rental marketplace uh, called Getable. Uh, and then I was also an early member of uh, the Yammer team uh, before Microsoft acquired us. Um, I happened to have co-founded the company with my identical twin brother. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. So I'm an engineer oh, by awesome. trade. Uh, he's a designer by trade. Uh, and we kind of meet in the middle of product management uh, to uh, to really build solid products uh, for our yeah. customers. And we've worked together over the years as well. He worked with me at Yammer. He worked with me again at Ease. Uh, and he spent uh, some time there at, at uh, Zenefits as their head of product uh, as okay.
1: well. Well, I was going to say, yeah, I was just about to ask how, what that's like to work with your brother, but I uh, did ident- I, especially identical twins, I think probably have a little bit of a different bond than maybe some other. Honestly. Siblings. Yeah. Right. It's,
2: uh, yeah. it's been really, really good, uh, yeah. working with, uh, working with him as a co-founder. Um, we just understand each other so well, uh, mm-hmm. we know kind of, you know, our, our strengths, our weaknesses, what, uh, you know, what different, uh, holes we can fill in for each other, uh, and, uh, and just kind of how, how to work together really well. And, and like I said, we've actually worked together quite a bit over the last, uh, almost 20 years now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's very cool. What's, um, who, who have been maybe some championship leaders in your life? And it's always really more so about like, what is it about these leaders or what characteristics have really stood out? uh, Whether it's a coach, a mentor, or a leader that you've crossed paths with, and, uh, maybe how some of those characteristics have really stood out and, and that you've taken to help mold who you are as a leader.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um I would say that uh the, the first one that comes to mind here is Adam Pisoni, uh the CTO and co-founder of Yammer. Um when uh when I joined there, it was kind of my first experience in a uh in a sort of larger product engineering organization. Um, and really first time seeing somebody uh you know take in, take on that leadership role uh in a in a really big capacity. Um and uh, I don't know how he did it, but he he, he basically, he, he seems uh, genuine all the time. Uh, you know, he, he just brought his whole self to work. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, you know, he's the kind of guy that's so easy to talk to. He's just, uh, you know, kind of talking to everybody and, uh, but always on point, right? He's always uh, looking at the the problems in the business, uh, understanding, you know, kind of, kind of how things break down and how things should get tackled, uh, but then really trusted the teams themselves to be the ones to come up with the solutions. Mm-hmm. Um, he really looked at uh, sort of the whole the whole system himself and was like okay here's the problems that need to be solved but yeah. as a leader it's not your job to solve problems yeah. it's your job to identify problems that need to be solved and then find the right people to solve them
1: yeah,
2: um, yeah. and he did a really good job of that um, to the point where um, we actually had a philosophy in the in the Yammer engineering team uh, where the person closest to the problem should be the one that solves it um, meaning uh, oftentimes even the indi- individual contributors on the team, just you know, the, the lowly engineers, uh, would be the ones that were coming up with the solutions for things. Um, and that uh, that did two things. One, the solutions were better because the people coming up with the solutions actually understood the problem. Sure. Um, and then yeah. two, uh, it, it really bre- bred some ownership on the team uh, because when you own the problem and you're trying to come up with a solution yourself, uh, that's very different than somebody handing you so- the solution and asking them asking you to implement it
1: yeah uh, right. and
2: so it was just this really sort of like individual contributor led uh, uh culture on the team uh that just really ramped up uh, our uh, our ability to execute uh, and i just saw us get better and better and better at decision making uh, mm-hmm. as we sort of invested more and more in that
1: yeah yeah that's hot. i mean very empowering right to for the people on the team to know that hey they're gonna you get to you get to do your job there's buy-in because now they're feeling like they're really making a difference because they are right Mm -hmm. (laughs) feel (laughs) feel a
2: little bit less like a factory worker on your keyboard on your desk and more like a a member of a team trying to solve a
1: problem I love it yeah that's great well what uh for you guys at, at viable. Cause I love talking about vision when we talk about leadership and I think great leaders have incredible vision. Uh, so Absolutely. yeah, maybe a little bit of your vision and what, and more importantly, maybe even is the impact that you're looking to make through that.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, so first off, I, I entirely agree. I think, uh, I think vision is a, is a huge part of, uh, of good leadership. Uh, if you don't have a leader that knows, Kind of where to where to skate uh, and uh, yeah. and and get uh, you know to get to where the puck is going. Uh, then all you're going to be doing is chasing that puck from behind. Um, and so, uh, really, I think that uh, the uh, the vision there is, is super super important. Um, however, I also think that you have to balance it paradox- paradoxically with all of the stuff that you're learning from your customers as well. Um, sure. Right. So like you can't just be like single-mindedly focused on this is the thing I'm going to build. Yeah, um, in fact, right. I think that kills more startups uh, than, uh, than the alternative approach, which is I'm gonna make a stab at something, put it out there, and then just pivot around the customer needs. Um, right. Yeah. And it's this weird, it's this weird sort of balance that you have to walk uh, between vision and listening. Um, yeah. and, and sort of re-reevaluating your vision on a constant basis to make sure that it actually matches up. Uh, with uh, with customer needs. Yeah, and so, the way
1: that you can accomplish your vision oftentimes probably looks much different than you originally thought it would, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, in fact, we actually started with
2: a completely different product uh, than, than what we were building now. Okay. Um, when we first started, uh, we were going to help early stage startups uh, find product market fit uh, by using this uh, sort of gener- or generative analysis uh, to uh, help them build the right roadmap to get to product market fit. Um, However, uh, a bunch of problems with that particular market, namely not a whole lot of money to extract from uh, from people there. Uh, pre-product market fit startups don't have a lot of money to spend. Um, yeah. And uh, large companies actually have a ton more data uh, that they need help with. So we actually pivoted about six months into building the company. We were like, OK, this original idea is not working the way we want it to. Um, but the core of this generative analysis is the right thing. Uh, mm-hmm. And so that's where we sort of double down on the vision uh, and moved towards that aggregation system that I was talking about. Um, gotcha. Where we're headed. Um, so many tools uh, these days, especially SaaS tools and especially data tools uh, are targeting analysts. Um, these are people who are building dashboards for other people on the team. who are answering questions for other people on the team and writing reports for other people on the team. Um, where we differ from everybody else uh, in, the, uh, in the space uh, is that we are not building a tool for analysts. We are building an analyst. Uh, so mm-hmm. basically, instead of building a tool that you can go in and build a bunch of dashboards, uh, you know, make charts that may or may not be interpretable, um, yeah. and uh, and all of that, uh, our target our target user is the actual end business user, right? The the PM on the team that is just trying to figure out. How should I build this feature? What are the feature requests that people have for this? Um, or the uh, the sales leader who's like, uh, what are the most common objections that we're finding uh, in the in the sales team? Um, or the marketing leader who's trying to figure out why their NPS uh, score is dropping? Um, so, uh, you know, all of these things are uh, are things that you would normally go to your analyst team for. Um, right, your 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 business uh, intelligence team or or, or yep. whatever, um, and they'd have to go through and read through all this content manually, tag stuff into buckets, <laughs> uh, you know, spend weeks basically answering these questions for you. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas we're going to basically be that person instead. Instead yeah. of going to your uh, to your uh, your analytics team or whatever to do this, um, you're going to come to us and you're going to ask us questions like, "Why is our NPS score dropping?" Uh, or "What feature requests do people have for the calendar feature?" Um, and we can go in and actually answer those questions for you in real time. Awesome. Um, so it. long-term right now we're focused on just qualitative uh, data. So things like, like I was saying, uh, survey responses, transcripts, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually we will be marrying that uh, with the quantitative as well. So we'll plug into your data warehouse. We'll understand things like churn, retention, retention engagement um, all of the different analytics events that are that are piping through your system as well and we'll marry that into one system that can then answer very high level questions and actually even very specific questions uh, about how people are interacting with your business
1: wow love it yeah it's incredible it's amazing what we can do nowadays and what we'll be able to do and even not the near future just with the pace of a where everything's headed right so yeah absolutely it's awesome. been
2: it's been very very interesting actually uh being in this generative AI space yeah. uh, because it really didn't start until about two and a half years ago when GPT 3 first came out in June yeah. 2020 um and uh, since then we've seen things uh, like you know massive massive increase in usability on gpt3 itself. Um, we have seen additional other kinds of, uh, of data be uh, be generated as well. Things like images. We're starting to see video tools come out as well. Um, I'm starting to see some sound and audio, speech. Uh, all of this stuff is sort of in a renaissance right now. Um, and it's been really, really fun sort of surfing that wave uh, for yeah. the last two and a half years.
1: Yeah, incredible. Yeah. Well, let's uh, shift gears just a little bit and um, maybe you think of a time or two. I'm sure you got many as we all do, but kind of a critical moment for you where you did choose the path that you did, which has you where you are today, but had you not, you could be in a very different place. I think there's there's just a lot of power for the listener that's in that spot right now to maybe hear how others have decided during those moments. So is there a time or two that comes to mind for you? Yeah, definitely.
2: I think the, the biggest one there um, is, is probably my, my decision to leave Microsoft uh, yeah. right after the Yammer acquisition. Um, so, uh, you know, I was at Microsoft for a little over two and a half years. Um, the, uh, or rather I was at Yammer for a little, little over two and a half years. Um, yeah. Microsoft acquired us about two years into that. Um, and, uh, you know, we went through the, went through that whole thing. Um, and I found myself working for a hundred thousand person organization, the office group. Yeah. Uh, and that's not even the entire entirety of microsoft microsoft has way more employees than that yeah. um, but i'm just talking office um yeah. and so it's just this huge huge thing so i felt like that was you know kind of a drop in the bucket i didn't have a whole lot of leverage in my role um couldn't really uh you know affect the the overall office metrics very much myself um and i was uh you know just getting restless um yeah. and uh, i was actually walking away from from you know some pretty hefty golden handcuffs there right like after yeah, an acquisition sure. you've usually got like a, a little bit of a uh a period where you're incentivized to stay um but i uh, i really just sort of like looked at myself internally and was just like okay i am i'm not the big co kind of guy yeah, yeah. um at least not uh not the engineer at a big co kind of guy um and uh you know i i felt myself just having all of this friction in my day to day role of like okay I, like going into work does this does this does what i'm working on really really matter Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. I kept coming, coming up blank on that. Um, and so uh, I did some soul searching and realized, no, it was, it was time for me to, to leave, even though I was, I was leaving a bunch of money on the table. Uh, it was still the right call for me to uh, continue my growth trajectory uh, because I was going to just stall out uh, yeah. at, uh, at Microsoft. Right. I, I, st- I saw some people that, that had been at Microsoft for literally two decades uh, after I joined and they'd been at like the same level for the last decade. Um, you know, they've just been kind of doing their thing and they're happy yeah. doing that. And I'm happy sure. for, him, for them yeah. as well, but, uh, I'm the kind of guy that just needs to continue to grow. Um, and that was yeah. not the place for me. So I quickly jumped back to the early stage and actually joined gettable as the CTO, uh, when it was just the two non-technical co-founders, there wasn't a code, there wasn't any code written yet. Uh, the product didn't exist yet. Um, all it was, was some relationships in the construction industry and an idea of what to build, uh, um, yeah. And so it went from like this giant, like working for Office 365, uh, to okay, I've got like a green field. <laughs> I can build whatever I want in this, yeah, um, yeah. which was both a blessing and a curse. Um, and sure. that it forced me to grow really, really, really fast. Um, I learned, uh, I learned a ton of leadership skills there, um, from how to hire right, how to fire right, um, how to manage the manage, uh, you know, an engineering team and, and, and product teams and, and all of that, uh, and then also just how to like dig in and build a real business. Um, I was in board meetings. I was like, I learned so much by making that jump. Um, And it was, you know, this jump from a really secure place to a really insecure place. Um, And I think it does take stepping out of your comfort zone in order to grow. Um, Mm. And I think that's the the big lesson I took from that. I've done that ever since.
1: I love it. Yeah. That's great story. And uh, yeah, you listen, I mean, essentially I think you just really listen to that gut, right. Which is
2: i think a lot of people try to do Good like uh, you know yeah. pros and cons lists and like yeah. you know re- list out all the stuff and try to be really rational about these things but at the end of the day humans make decisions based on emotion yeah um, right and i think that it's kind of a it's kind of doing you a disservice to ignore the emotional component uh, yeah. when making decisions
1: yeah 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 definitely well uh as we start to wrap this up, you know, if there's one or two things you could give to the listener today that if they implement today would help move their life forward right now, what might that be?
2: Absolutely. Um, so I would say, uh, I've got three P's that I focus on, uh, whenever I'm, whenever I'm leading it is people process and product. Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, this is specifically for companies that are, that are, you know, building something to sell to someone, Uh, not necessarily service-based companies, but for that last one, you might be able to change that to be, uh, people in process and then just process. Um, So, (laughs) uh, so basically what I mean by that is you've got to figure out, uh, the right kind of people to to hire. So building the right culture uh, on your team, and that's going to be different for everybody. Every leader has a different culture that they're going to be good at leading within. Um, and so you have to know that about yourself. And mm-hmm. honestly, the only way I've seen to actually figure that out is to just try a bunch and see. Yeah, right. um, <laughs> so uh, there, there's that. Right. So You've got to figure out the people part. Um, a really essential part of that, though, is making sure that you're built. You're bringing a diverse uh, list of people in. Right. You can't just hire people who just think like you uh, yeah. because you're going to end up with the same blind spots you have uh, if you do that. Um, so it's best to hire people with a bunch of different viewpoints uh, and then sort of help them meld into a culture that works for everybody.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. one.
2: Number two is process. In order to build a product, you've got to first build a process that whose output is product itself. Mm-hmm. Um, every team actually has a different process to to do. There, there's a bunch of you know companies out there that's going to try to sell you on a specific process, like you know hardcore Scrum or even like waterfall development. Um, all of that stuff is uh, is sort of off the shelf process. Um, I have never seen any of those work. Um, so what really matters is you figuring out what does your business need process-wise mm-hmm. and you should actually be iterating on your process as much, if not more than the product itself, uh, because yeah. the product is what or the, the people are what use, or they use the process to build the product.
1: Right. Um, and yeah. so it's
2: foundation of people process, uh, goes there. And then actually the product just kind of takes care of itself. Uh, yeah. if there's, if there's a really good process in place,
1: yeah.
2: um, And the product, obviously, needs to match customer needs, which means you've got to have all the right feedback loops in place to do
1: that. Sure. I love it. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. I think you could probably find a way to take that to your personal life as well. So um, I think there's some very practical stuff there for everybody listening. Um, Up. appreciate you being here today. What's what would be the best place for people to go to, you know, if they're interested in more of what you guys are up to and what you're doing or, you know, I don't know if you're on social media or the best place maybe for people to go.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You can learn more about us at askviable.com and you can email me at dan at askviable.com.
1: Excellent. Too easy. We'll get that linked up for everybody. And again, I I appreciate you being here today. Uh, uh, As you're listening right now, if you've enjoyed this conversation, don't go anywhere. Just stay right here for the next episode. And again, Dan, thank you so much for being here.
2: Thank you for having me. It was fun. Let's let's go. Let's
0: go. Let's go. In 05 and 06, I deployed to Kuwait. I used to wait every day for them to say, Nature going home. I miss my life, miss my wife. 15 months, she was all alone.